All right, here we go. Episode 75, our last one for the year, Kyle. Racing News Podcast is back. We're going to bounce around a few different topics. Um, uh, the beer mile that we had for North last weekend, we'll, we'll chat about Cozzy, UTK, because that was, the, I guess, the big race at this time of year in terms of trail running. Uh, SEQ as well, the last round at Pomona. We'll go through Summer Goats. We've got our top five moments of the year, plus I've managed to piece together the park run top ten. Uh, but, Kyle, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, since GC50? What have you been doing? Strava doesn't say two, much. Two episodes, Tom. We're busy. We've done two episodes in two weeks. Yeah. Strava's, Strava's not showing much on your graph, though, at the moment. It's no, showing well, a little... I said that two weeks ago. I said, I'm going to take a bit of downtime, and yep. I've stuck to it. I reckon this is, like, the most downtime I've taken in, I reckon, like I said, probably five years or so. So yeah, it's been good. I I reckon that first week, there was I didn't even want to run for that first probably, like, four or five days. I was more than yep. happy sleeping in. And I reckon I got to maybe like Friday or Saturday and I was like, oh, I could probably go for a run. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing anything. And then we had the the beer mile on Sunday. So my, my weekly total for that first week was 1.6 kilometers. So that was my, <laughs> that was a big week. And yeah. then I, taught, I had to take the group out for our 200th Monday yes. morning group run last yeah. Monday. So that was, I definitely, that was my first actual run post GC50 and that was good. Um, and then I ran maybe like 10K, uh, with Marty and Lockie Thursday morning at Main Beach. Just yep. A couple of days want to go for a jog. Yep. And then I went out and did an hour with the same guys this morning at Main Beach. Yeah, so I've done two road runs and a trail run and a beer mile. That's my big training recap. Yeah. A lot. So yeah, let's, feeling good. let's go into the beer mile. So this is the second year that we've done it as a north sort of end of year thing. How did you find it in comparison to the first year? Um, and, and comparison in your times and places as well. It, you looked like you were pretty aggressive. On that first skull, I must be, actually we're all we're all. I was caught off guard on that. I didn't realize we started. I think whoever the starter was was it Brody? I think he was on that. It was Brody. On, on the start, it was a very quick go out of the blue. <laughs> no, this yeah. year was I, like I think I probably said it last year. I reckon that was the most nervous I've ever been on a start line by a long way. That being yeah. last year, I just had no idea how that was going to go. So this year, I felt like I was slightly more prepared. But that was still the most nervous I was on a start line this year. Was was that yeah. beer mile on Sunday? Um, and I tried, I, in my head, I, I forgot to start my watch last year. So I was only kind of going off what other people ran and trying to roughly work yeah. out what I ran. And I kind of thought I ran around maybe a tick under seven minutes or seven minutes-ish. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and try and do that again. And yeah, first beer went down great. I was like, I'm, I'm on here. Like there was a pack of four of us up to the front. And I thought, this is good. Yeah. I reckon I looked at my watch when we got back after the first, so beer and then the first lap and it was a minute 30 on the dot. And I thought, I just had a beer and run 400 meters in 90 seconds. I'll take that. If I could string four of these together, I'd be very happy. But it gradually just just slowed. Yeah. Everything felt good. It just it's hard to run with that much liquid yep. going around in your belly. It was hard, but no. Otherwise, I I got third. Yeah, controversial third, but look, I'll take third. I'll take yep. third. We can go into not that. not um, not controversial for you though. Controversial, not controversial for other for people. Me, no, for no. other people around. Um, <laughs> but no, it was good. I ran six minutes fifty five. So I'm taking that as my now official be yep. my PB and I was one place higher than last year. So I was I was very satisfied with my day. So I, I yeah. can't keep my goal time and got on the podium and no throwing up. So that's two from two. That's that good. were a success for me. So how was yours? Yeah, good. A lot better than last year. I think I think I was a minute and a half quicker than last year. Um I'm not sure where that minute and a half was. I think I ran faster than last year. Last year I was still hobbling around with a bit of an ankle problem. But this year I was a bit more yeah, a bit more aggressive in my running. So up to fifth Behind uh, the top three where you were in, Steve Ketley was fourth, I think, and then I managed fifth. Steve, um, 
Finn Stefanak went out particularly hard, so I was having to chase him down for the first lap and a half. But yeah, I was, I'm same as you. I'm very nervous going into it because you just you know what's about to happen. And I remember actually on the when we got back after two laps and you had the third beer, and then you take off on the third lap. You, in my head, I'm not even thinking laps to go. I'm thinking beers to go. I don't know how you think, but yeah. when I was literally, I'd run 800 meters plus. I was going on that third lap. I actually thought to myself, I've only got one more beer to go. That's it. That's that's all I've got to do. So it's not a case of oh, I've got another lap to go. It's I've just got one more beer to go, and then I'm I'm home and hose. So. It's a strange way to think about it. It's not the laps that obviously make you concerned. It's no. The, 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 and I don't, I don't know about you, Tom, but that, that grass track up at Runaway Bay is the softest track I've ever run on in my life. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. And I felt like I was going backwards the whole way. Like I was running along just going, I feel like I'm running on the spot. I feel like I'm going nowhere. And then yep. I, I'm like, nah, I, you always feel like that, but you're actually flying. And then I finished and we're in the car on the way home and Caitlin was like, why were you running so slow? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I felt like I was I was trying as hard as I could. And then I saw a video of me running and I was like, yeah, I wasn't running very fast. I don't know what my last yeah. couple of laps were, but that was as fast as I felt like I could run. There was not a lot of, of fast running going on, but it was a good challenge. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think I came in on about 8, 8.15. I was the same as you. I forgot to start my watch, actually, because I missed, I, you know, I wasn't prepared for Brody to say go, so I didn't actually start my watch. So I was about 8.15, I reckon, 8.15, 8.20, which I think is about a minute faster than last year. So I'm happy with that. But the world record, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's 4.37, is it? About that? 27, I think. Is it 27? Wow. Yeah. We've got, we got a it's, long way to go. <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? If you break that down and say, well, that's you're running a 60-second lap plus seven, eight seconds per drink, that's crazy. I think I looked at one of my drinks you know, between the laps, and it was about 35 to 40 seconds, I think. Um, for those last couple. So it's, it is, I don't know how you train for it. Do you, do you train the running? Do you train the running? Do you train the drinking? And do you know what the female world record is? Is that about? Oh, I couldn't off the top of my head, but it's pretty quick. I remember, I do remember seeing it at the similar world champs, but I can't remember off the top of my head what the the time Hang is. On. But I've watched the video of the world record. And yeah, I don't how he runs so fast with that much liquid in him. I, I have no idea, but it's impressive to, it's impressive to watch. So a quick Google search here on the beermile.org says 608.51, but there is an asterisk yeah. next to it. So I like that. So there's an asterisk. So we're going to have to take the second one. 616.50 is the official world record there. So there you go, 616.50. So that's what? That's a minute 34 per lap with running and uh, drinking at the same time. Impressive. Now, um, a different beer for you this year or the same? No, I had a different beer this year. I had a Byron Bay lager was my, yep. my beer of choice. It was good. Yep. It looked refreshing. And I, I was sitting there looking at them on the on the start line of the table and I thought, they look good. It was quite a warm afternoon. I thought, this is perfect. Like, they just they look nice. They were cold. I don't <laughs> that's an advantage or not. But I was like, this actually is going to be good. And then I looked at the other end of the table and saw four cans of Guinness. And I thought, <laughs> who is has done that? Like that and then I thought for a second I was like, has to be Sean. Sure. No one else only one person. Is yeah. going to do that, and sure enough, Sean did a beer mile. He was the MVP of the day. He came last yeah. by an absolute mile. I think he would have been close to 17, 18, nearly twenty minutes <laughs> it took him. But I still look at that and go, he just he drank four Guinnesses and ran a yeah. mile in like seventeen minutes. I think that's very impressive. Poor yeah, there should be glass. It was there should be a Guinness mile sort of world record because you have to let it settle. That's the thing, isn't it? So so you and I we drank and then ran, whereas Sean had to drink and then pour the next one. And, and wait, for, and, and as he was running the next lap, that next one would be settling. So he had to drink and then pour and then run. 
So it's almost yeah. like he had an extra step involved in that. So, yeah, many kudos to, to, to Sean on that one, which is a remarkable effort. So there we go. We'll hopefully be back next year, Kyle, for the third one in a row. Definitely. Um, I think we're going to limit it to North's only athletes next year, I think. That'll, that'll take us up a spot each. Um, I like if it. Ket, if Ketley can, if we can get rid of triathletes as well, I can nudge my way into the top three. That's, <laughs> that'd be the way to do it. All right. Um, yeah, as I said, Kyle, it's pretty much the last episode for the year, isn't it? Because it's the 18th. Sunday the 18th we're recording this, so in two weeks' time it'll be the we'll be into 2023 if you can believe it. Um, so we're going to go through coast oh, coast of Cozzy, not coast of Cozzy. We're going to go through the Cozzy UTK. Ultra Trail Cozzy Osco. Coast of Cozzy is just in my head too much. Um, yeah, UTK we'll go through. I've got a little 10 minute chat with Jack Gill. I managed to grab him as he was driving back from you know, Cozzy Osco heading to the Gold Coast. I think he said he was somewhere around Sydney. So we'll chuck that in as well. It's a little 10-minute chat where Jack sort of goes through um, what he thought of the conditions down there and the race itself and the course and the course changes. We'll go through, as I said, summer goats. We'll go through our moments as well and park run. So UTK, as I think it's now sort of been shortened to, quite rightly. Kyle, you were across the videos over the weekend. I sent you one. I can't remember if it was Friday morning. I think it was Friday morning. I sent you this one saying, look, can you believe those conditions? In- <laughs> It, it was just I, a I white like I've never seen it? footage of people running like that in Australia ever. Like, I don't no. think I've ever seen a race like that. It was so, it was one of those ones that I'd seen a few people that were there kind of week or two weeks in advance, kind of training on the course. And they said there was a little bit of snow around, but you know, it was, it was pretty good. A little bit of rain. So, there was a bit of mud. And then I saw um, some photos, I think, like the week before when Hayden Hawks had gone down from, he was in the Blue Mountains for a couple of weeks and then headed down to Kosciuszko. And he'd done a few runs up, obviously, around the kind of course area up in the high country. And there wasn't a whole lot of snow up there. There was bits and pieces. But the bit I saw, he'd post some photos. There wasn't much snow. And, you know, I thought, that course looks amazing. Like, how good is this going to be? And then even on, like, kind of the Tuesday, Wednesday, we saw some of Jack's kind of stories come through. And he was going for a few runs up there. And there was definitely some snow around. But it still looked quite nice. And, you know, the sun was out. And it looked, looked like it was going to be a great race. And then... It was then Wednesday morning that I think we got up and then I saw on Facebook that there was a post from Ultra Trail Kosciuszko saying we've had to make a few minor course changes. And I was like, you know, three or four little things where they just had to cut little bits out and, you know, it wasn't going to change the distance. And I thought, oh, it's a bit of a shame, but it didn't look like it changed too much for anyone, so that was good. And then it would have been a couple of hours later that another very big post came through (laughs) saying we've we've had a more in-depth look at the course and we're going to have to change nearly everything because half the course is way too far under snow and you're not going to be able yeah. to follow the course. So, and I was just sitting there going like, these guys can't catch a break. Like after what happened yeah. with UTA and all the drama that came with that and course changes and not getting thrown the course. And then the day before the 50 K they have to completely change the course because there's snow in mm. the middle of summer in Australia, too much snow. Like, I can guarantee when they were looking at the date for this race, they would have gone, oh, well, we'll do it in December because at least we don't have to worry about the snow. And sure enough, but I can guarantee now for the next 20 years that race will not have snow again except <laughs> the first year that it's, there's two foot remember, of snow all over the course. Do you remember everyone's reaction when, when UTK was announced? When People's first reaction was, that's going to be way too hot. That's ridiculous. You can't have ultra-trial races in, in December in Australia. And then when, when you actually said to people, but have a look at the temperature. It's like 14, 15 degrees. They're like, oh, Okay, that's all right. Never in their wildest imagination did they think, you know, the reverse would happen and the course would be changed because of snow. But yeah, I mean, that's something 
Is it something that even trail organisations in Europe and America, would they even combat this? I mean, they must get occasionally unseasonal bad weather that affects their trail running well, in their, their summer I think months. the difference over there is pretty much all people that do these types of the races and sports, they're used to the snow. Like they, they mm. would probably run and train in the snow at least, you know, a few months of the year, pretty much every year. So they'd be quite used to kind of being in those conditions. I think the organisers wouldn't have had really any choice but to completely change this because I would say 95% of entrants in that race are just, you know, your average runners from like, you know, here on the Gold Coast that are going, oh, I just want yeah. to go down and do a trail race that probably would have never run in the snow in their lives. So then to expect them to kind of run in, and, you know, it was supposed to be kind of, you know, minus 5, 10, 15 with the wind chill factor and quite windy up there with snow, like not really the conditions that people in Queensland are used to going down and running. In. No. So they were always going to have to change it. But yeah, it was just the fact that we're sitting here in summer and it's so hot and we've got friends who we saw not long ago down there racing in the snow in the same car. It just seemed a bit bizarre to kind of yeah. look at it and see the photos and go, this doesn't even look like Australia. Like what's going on? Like it's December. What's happening? Yeah. But I mean, you'll, you'll hear it from this little chat I have with Jack, which we'll talk a bit about at the, um, in a few minutes time but the impression that you get from everyone who went to it was just this is a bucket list race this is one that you have to do um you know people who've done the 50 said i'm actually going to do the 100 i want to go back and do the 100 or the miler so it, by the sounds of it the course is unlike anything that we have up here in queensland um i mean we saw all saw the videos and the photos that they put through as part of the marketing and it did look like it was somewhere in europe or somewhere in america it just had that alpine feel to it which is you know, we got wonderful ultras up in southeast Queensland, but a lot of them are fire roads, aren't they, most of the time. And so to be able to go down and run single trail in alpine kind of country, I think, you know, this event is going to be massive in the future. I, I think it's probably going to end up being bigger than UTA because I think UTA is, you know, it, it's well known as, as Australia's probably leading trail event, but this is something which UTA doesn't have, and that's that alpine feel to it because UTA... Are, Basically, it's still a lot of fire road that you're running on, whereas this is something quite different to anything that we have. I just um, I hope that they can, because I think the big thing there is, though, because the numbers are so capped, I reckon that'll be one thing that they'll probably look at and go, is there any way that we can get more people on the mm. course? Because I think it was capped to a bit. Was it 2,000? I can't remember off the top yeah. of my head, between all the different distances. So if you look at kind of the, how many people started each race, you're only talking like four or 500 in each of the races, whereas then you look at UTAs in the thousands. So I don't yeah. know if that's something that they've even got the capacity to to bump those numbers up or whether that's a, a permit issue, an insurance issue that they won't let more than a couple of thousand people on those yeah. trails at a time. I don't know. Um, yeah. But that'll be interesting to see whether, you know, given how it was a well-received event, that, you know, they can bump that up and turn it into a massive event because it, it's, like you said, it's got the, the structure there that it could be a huge race for us. And, yeah. you know, just... The photos we got from that, I feel like, probably caught the attention of a lot of international runners because I don't think that's yes. what they would have expected to see coming from a race over here and not something that they would have seen. I think, like, we know how spectacular kind of the Blue Mountains are and whatnot, but then you go and look at some of the footage they get from UTMB and over in the Alps in Europe and, mm. the, you know, the Rockies in America and all these other races, and they just get those stunning kind of big mountain ranges that we just don't normally see in our races. Mm. Where I feel like this was the first time that, you know, photos went out and everyone would have gone, wow, like, that's a race I need to go and do. So that was that was really cool to see. So I think it's it's definitely going to go on a lot of people's lists. I've even just in the last week after watching everything, I've thought that's going to be really good timing for me next year. I can do my next big ultra again. Like, that's December. There's nothing else yeah. in December. I don't particularly I, want to run GC50 again. That's enough concrete for a while. I did wonder could that. Be, it could be on the list. I did time. wonder, is this the Kyle's comeback onto the trail? Um, 
But you're right. So much of what we do here is 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 under the canopy of rainforest, isn't it? And yeah, the Europe and America, of course, this was will have gone around the world. People who follow the UTMB circuit, um, this footage would have gone around the world, and hopefully, it would have you know sparked some interest for some international athletes to come over. And I think it'd be it's perfect timing for them as well, isn't it? It's their winter. They're probably not doing a huge amount of outdoor yep. running, so to be able to find a, a a trail ultra on the other side of the world, and and I was thinking as well. I wonder if they placed it there beautifully for Tarawera as well. Like if you were a European athlete, you come out here November, you run UTK, you hang around over Christmas and New Year, and then you can run Tarawera and, and head back home. Like it's well, that's it's exactly a beautiful what double. Hayden, Hayden Hawks is doing. So he's over here in New Zealand yeah. for about three months. So he's living here for a bit, then he's heading to New Zealand and he's racing Tarawera. I think that's his main kind of goal for this whole trip was to, to come over for those two races. So that's exactly yeah. what they're already doing, which is fabulous really cool idea. To see. So let's go through the results and um, if, if you got them there, Kyle, the results. Yeah. Because um, you know a little bit about the people who, particularly the international you know, athletes who, who yeah. race quite well. So what do you want to do? Do you want to start with the big one or do you want to go from no, we'll 27 work, We'll up? work our way up. We'll work from the okay. 27 up. That was kind of the order the races went in. So these were yeah. on the, the 27 and 50 was on Friday. Um, and I, I must say like the, the app and the website were really kind of good for tracking this stuff as well. If, you know, for the people that were, that were good at using it, there was a few people yeah. that looked like they were getting confused with the app, but, um, <laughs> sorry, Thursday, it was, it was on, wasn't it? Thursday, Thursday, was the, Thursday, Thursday yeah. Thursday um, was the, the, the 27 and the 50. There was a few group chats going off on, on Thursday with lots of, <laughs> lots of comments on the app, which was good. Are you um, on the desktop when you do it or are you actually on the phone? Cause I'm, I'm, I was, I, actually... I was just on my phone. I was just on. Well, you better than me. I'm on, I'm on the desktop for for this UTMB site. I, I oh, I'm on it at the moment. I'm on my on my iPad, so I've got it on the desktop. But on that on Thursday, I was tracking it on my phone, and it was working quite nicely. But yeah. Anyway, that was good. So I'll go through the the 27 results first. Um, so in the females, Kelly um, Angel, which is formerly Kelly Emerson, who's done really well at like UTMB, so has changed her name recently. Uh, she was third in 221. Uh, Laura Gillard was second in 219, and then Paige Penrose took the win in 216. Um, so Paige is only really quite young. I remember we first met Paige maybe over at Tarawera 2020. And I swear she was only like 18 or 19 at the time. I probably mm. got that wrong. Maybe she's actually a little bit older than that. But <clears throat> she's an absolute weapon, and it's just one. Like a lot of these shorter trial races, she seems to be winning. So she's definitely she did, a name to, to She watch. did well at um, UTA, last year didn't she i think yeah, when the north face group of... were there i think she yeah. came along did she also do blackall as well am i am i confusing that as well did I she win blackall gone... i don't know brody will brody left a us on that because i'm pretty sure is Paige the north face athlete um i don't know if she is or not i know she was wearing north face pack but i don't know if she's is a north face right. athlete or not um, brody can get back to us about that but... yeah she's <laughs> definitely a name to watch for the future like she's still only young but she's an incredible trail runner um, and then on the the male side, Jack Powell was third in two hundred three. Um, Andrew Gattenby was second in one fifty eight, and Charlie Hamilton he took the win in one fifty four. Yeah. Um, and Charlie was the the guy that won the UTA twenty two when I was down there last year. Yep, same guy. Okay. So he's he's got a few little trail racing results under his belt. Um, so that was good to watch. That was the the twenty seven, and then same day we had the we had the fifty k. Um, and this was fun to follow. So the way, like, obviously the courses it all changed for these. So, and again, I'm, I'm assuming Jack's going to go into it a little bit more after I haven't actually listened to mm. Jack talk about it. So I'm assuming he's probably going to go into detail about it, but yep. it looked like there was a few kind of uphill sections in the first kind of third of the race. And then a bit more of a net downhill run 
for kind of the back back half and back two thirds. So there were some pretty fast times getting run, you know, in these races, which was kind of cool to see. Um, But in the females, Chantel Minchin took third in 5.03. Jessica Harrow-Ramos took second in 4.55. And Helena Michael took the win in 4.44.44. How good's that for numbers? Well done. Yeah, beautiful. What the hell under there? Um, and then in the male race, this was again another fun one to watch. So I will kind of put a note out there that the, there was only a minute and thirty-one seconds between third place and seventh place in this, and this was fun to watch because wow. there was names going backwards and forwards all the time. And obviously, I'm assuming Jack will go into kind of how that last mm. kind of half an hour of the race unfolded and how much chopping and changing there was between places. But it was it was kind of nail biting because there was a checkpoint with about five kilometers to go. And there were so many guys that were really, really close to each other. And then it was just waiting for these finish splits to come through and, and seeing what position everyone was in. And it, by the sounds of it, after I spoke to Jack briefly, just about kind of how that last bit went and there was, there was places getting changed all the time. So it sounded like it was going to be good racing. So um, third place was Morgan Payne in four eighteen. Michael Daly to second in 4.08 and Fabian Rahn took the win in 4.02. And Fabian, I went, I did have a look on his Instagram when I was following this race and he's a, he's a European kind of mountain athlete from what I could see. I'm not sure exactly what country he's from, um, but it looks like he's fairly, he's done quite a lot of longer distance kind of trail mountain type events. Um, yeah. And yeah, it looks like, you know, 4.02 for a trail 50K is absolutely flying. So uh, it's I think an he's... impressive win. I think he's German. I think I remember seeing the German flag on the front of him. So he actually yeah. lives over in Europe. Do you think he came over I especially think so, yeah. for the race? I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure he's just here for, for this. See, that's what we want, isn't it? We want people coming yeah. to this country for this particular race. And as you said, Jack will go into this in a bit of detail, but Morgan Payne there was actually behind Jack for a fair bit of time and then very politely asked if he could just you know, step, step around him at one stage. Um, and I won't ruin it too much, but Jack goes into how much of this race was actually single trail. He said yep. pretty much most of it was single trail. And you look at that time, 4.02 for 50K, 50 and a bit K on single trail is just lightning fast. It's it's incredibly yep. quick. Um, and also, <laughs> I was, was asking him about the sprint finish because those of you who've seen Jack posted, he got out sprinted for the second uh, UTMB event in a row. I said he was out sprinted at, at um, UTA for 13th or 14th and out sprinted here between him and Corey. But it turns out like Corey only beat him across the line by like half a meter or something. But you can see there the difference in seconds. It was five seconds. So Corey must have been in the little start group behind Jack anyway. Because did you see the footage, Kyle? They were sending them off yeah. in like little groups of five. Um, because Jack said there was a bit of a single trail quite early on in the race. So they wanted to sort of limit the the um, yeah. the groups going through there. So it turns out that sprint finish at the end for fourth and fifth really didn't matter at all. Um, but, yeah, well done. So a little, some more 200s, I think, for Jack. If you can, Kyle, in the um, speed sessions, some hundreds, 200s, things that like happen. that. Yeah, we can do that. Um, all right. So then that was Thursday, wasn't it? It's, it was weird getting ahead around the fact it was a Thursday-Friday race yeah, as opposed to a... Different. It's, when, when UTA, do they do the shorter races, the Thursdays, Thursday and then... Or is yeah, it Friday, Saturday? No, it's Thursday to Saturday. Yeah, okay. The, yep. the 11K is on Thursday. Oh, that's right. That's an 11 as well. Yep, yep. All right. So then um, what do we got next? We got the, the 100. 100K. The 100. The 100 yep. Where are the 100K? I keep getting confused with this because there's a Cosy 100 and then there's the Cosy Miler, but the 100 is the 100K, not the 100 yep. Miler. Yep. So the Cosy 100, <laughs> which is 100 kilometres. Um, in the, the females, we had Patricia McKibben was third in 10 hours, 12 minutes. Um, Cecilia Mathis 
again, former yeah. guest on the, the podcast and local runner. She was second in 9.56. How good's that? Sub 10 hours, trail 100K. She got my PB by two minutes. Unbelievable. Yeah. Have to go back. How good's that by Cecilia? Um, and then Stephanie Austin took out the win in 9.44. So people obviously will have heard us talk about Stephanie before. Um, she won the GC50 two years ago in that famous female battle between herself yeah. Um, Beth McKenzie and Rennie. Um, so she's got the Australian 50K record. So she took the win there in 9.44, and she's a she's an absolute weapon of a runner as well. So good racing there. Two females sub 10 hours for a trail 100K. It doesn't happen that often. <laughs> so very, very impressive there to see those two breaking that mark. That's a big barrier for a trail 100K to do that. Um, and then, yeah, on the, the male side. So this was, again, fun to watch because there were some pretty fast guys in this race. Um, and I was I was interested to see how some of the Aussie guys would go up against Hayden Hawks, obviously coming mm. over from the US. A lot of people know Hayden. He's you know, obviously placed high over at CCC. Um, Western States, like a few of these other big races that he's done, very well-known um, US runner. Um, and I'll go through, but he, he did end up taking the win very comfortably, it looked like, in the end. And there was a few videos of him throughout the day just looking like he was absolutely cruising. And I don't know how he <laughs> runs this fast, looking as fresh as he did. But um, Blake Hose was third. So Blake's, this is, I think this is the first kind of longer trail race he's done in a number of years because he kind of back in around 20, oh, maybe kind of 14 to 16, he was pretty much one of the best trail runners in the country. Um, yep. And he had it over and signed with Salomon and was racing. And he got, th- I think, oh. top three at Transvolcania over in the Canary Islands. And he's been top 10 at the Trail Running World Championships, I think, back in 2014, the year that Ben and Kane went from from here in yep. southeast Queensland. Um, and then he, I, he hasn't done as much racing over the last couple of years. And then he's come back and run run eight hours 15 for the for the 100K for third, which is <laughs> Unbelievable. It's unbelievable running. It's, so it's not even a day out, is it? Like it, we're oh, talking about half a day of running here. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So yeah, well done to Blake for, for third. And then Ronnie Spark, who was he was UTA fifty, was yep. he second? He was on the yep, battle just, with, with yes. Ben. Was yep, he leading just got it and Ben passed him on the stairs? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, so he's backed up from UTA fifty. So he's from Sydney. I think he's one of the Viper runners. Um yeah. I've got a mate who's part of that group. So Ronnie Spark. Uh, English fella, I think. So English, yeah, he runs. Right. Yeah, say he's English, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He just lost to Ben St. Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. So eight oh six for a trail hundred k is absolutely flying. And you don't um, win. <laughs> then you got absolutely lost by nearly eighteen minutes, which is unbelievable. So Hayden Hawks took the win and ran seven forty eight. And I'd have to reckon I'd go. You have to go back and look through some of the records, but I reckon that's probably the fastest trail hundred k time on Australian soil. Mm. I'm trying to think of who else would have run faster on a trail. I don't reckon there would be many that would go sub eight for a trail 100K on Australian soil anyway because wow. that is lightning. That's lightning fast. So the only other times I know of around this kind of part of the world was when I we saw Jim Wormsley run 7.24 at Tarawera for 102Ks, yep. which is still absolutely ridiculous. But 7.48 yeah. is just unbelievable for, for that. And just considering some of the guys, like Dion from Melbourne, he's a 2.20 marathoner. He came fifth. He ran 8.56. Like he's over an hour in front of in front of Dion, and he's mm. a quality runner. Like it's it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, Hayden seven hours forty eight. So good luck to anyone who wants to beat him at Tarawera. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And just before we go on to the mile, I, I, my understanding was when the videos that I saw, there was a fair bit of road in this. Yeah. They had to run a bit of road on it. So it'd be interesting to see how this time eventually stacks up against 
um, the original course, and I'm sure this won't be the course record. I'm sure this will just be one of those ones that they put out there in the years to come um, as an alternative course. They won't actually have it as a record. So, but yeah, the miler, Kyle. Yeah. My goodness. So, and yeah, what a run, what a race. This is this is cool to see. Like, just it's a long time to be out there. And I was just thinking at the start of this week, the same thing when you sent me that photo on the Friday morning, and it just looked so cold. <laughs> It looked so cold, and I thought there's going to be so many of these runners running through the night in these conditions. Mm. Like, there's one thing just to kind of – I haven't run much ever in the snow in my life, so I can't even really comment on running in these conditions. I reckon I did one, like, 3K run when I was in Japan once when we were skiing, and that was enough. <laughs> I reckon that's the extent of my, my cold running. So just the thought of standing on the start line knowing that you're going to be running into the night in the yep. pitch black and it's that cold and the snow everywhere is – something i've never experienced i don't know how i would handle that that's pretty impressive by anyone skating on that start line to, to tackle yeah. this race um but we'll go through the results so in the female side we had uh amy lamprecht she took third in 21 14. second was clara brian smith she was 1949 so under 20 hours which is super impressive running um and then sarah ludoichi she took the win in 1923 that is a cracking time for yeah. 100 miles. And again, even though these are incredible times, like you're still finishing in the middle of the night. Like it's pitch black. Yeah. You're running hours and hours in the pitch black, which is just hard, just hard to do. I don't think anyone enjoys it that much, really. I'm sure there's no. people that do enjoy it, but not that much. Um, so that's impressive racing by the ladies. And then on the male side, there were some pretty good battles going on through this through the whole day. So I was really interested to see how Reese Edwards did in this because he's mm. he obviously won UTA off the back of running the Sydney Marathon and the Melbourne Marathon and doing really well. Um, and then he's gone UTA 100 to the win and then back straight up into his first 100 miler straight off the back of it. So he's had a massive last kind of three or four months. Um, and he ended up kind of in this just off the lead and then in like kind of second, third, and then he pulled out with about 20 Ks to go. Um, and I think I saw him put up a post on his Strava and on, on Instagram saying that he just, he said he wasn't physically or mentally strong enough to get to the finish, wow. um, which is pretty, it, it's kind of cool to see someone at that level to say, yeah, I just wasn't good enough to, to get to the finish. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, he hasn't done that much trail running really in the scheme of like mm. who he's coming up against here. Um, he's obviously super fit. He's a 213 marathoner this year, but yeah, to go two marathons within two weeks, I think a month later, one UTA hundred, and then however many weeks this was after UTA, to yeah. back up and then try and do a hundred miler was always going to be a pretty impressive feat if he pulled it off. So it was kind of cool to see him have a crack, um, but he ended up with a DNF. So in the end, Luke Barrett was third. He ran fifteen fifty, and again, anything sub sixteen hours for a hundred miler is you know, sub six minute pace on trail for a hundred miles is is ridiculous. So he was third. Uh, Vlad Shatrov, who who took it out really hard. I'm pretty sure he was mm. with the lead pack of 100Ks for quite a while <laughs> at the start, which was impressive yeah. to see until I saw they one, feared off. I saw one video of him coming into a checkpoint, and the, the guy filming could barely keep oh, up with Vlad as he was he coming. Was, I saw the same video. I was like, <laughs> he looks like he's in a 5K. That's unbelievable. <laughs> he was absolutely yeah. flying. So he, he led for quite a while and ended up getting passed in the end. But he ran 15.10, which is still an absolutely cracking time for a, for a trail 100 miler it's, yeah. it's fast i don't know how that compares to when he won tarawera 100 miler i'd have to go back and have a look at his his results from tarawera because i think the year that he won that i know i'm pretty sure he was well under 16 there as well so i don't know whether he's run that would actually be an interesting one to see what he's run because that's another australian that's run a fast trail 100 miler so i don't know if you've got that up there for results i'm for, just i'm just googling here was that Tom. was that 2020 
I think that was 2020. That was the year I was um, over there. The, the, the time of 1553, it says here. There you go. So he's run, yep. he's run way quicker. So that's even more impressive then to, wow. to do this. He's run 1510 on this course. But the, the winner of this race, so Adrian McDonald, who's from the United States, he's won the last two Leadville 100-mile races, which mm. for people that don't know that race, um, it's a high-altitude kind of – it's still a Relative, there's a lot of runnable stuff, but it's a high altitude 100 miler, and he's taken the win the last two years and some fast times. Yeah, he he looked like he raced it pretty smart, like he didn't go out that aggressive, and he looked like he just held that effort all day and didn't really mm. fade. He's ended up running 1407, so he won by over an hour in the end, which is just insane. So, 1407 for a trail 100 miler in those conditions is very, yep. very impressive. Very, very impressive. and wonderful. Wonderful again to see an overseas athlete coming over, and, and and hopefully, you know, even though the conditions were, you know, pretty extreme. Hopefully, it'll encourage more people to come over from America and from uh, from Europe and different parts of Asia and places like that to to make this an international field because that's something that we've yeah. talked about in the past that we want we want UTA and UTK to be. We want them to be these big international fields. I mean, I remember going to UTA five years ago and crewing for a few people and seeing, you know. Tim Tofferson can run past and um, Sally McRae and people like that. And you're like, this is very cool. I've seen these people on YouTube, you know, smashing it all over America. And to see them in the flesh is pretty pretty awesome. So that's outstanding. Now, um, this might be a good time, Kyle. We'll, we'll throw to the interview with Jack um, for 10 minutes or so. And then we'll come back. And I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you about your opinions about certain times and and places and things like this that will be good to unpack a little bit so we'll jump over to jacks now he's just going to chat uh through his his experience down there at, at utk from um from a gold coast point of view all right so uh special special treat here for the listeners on racing news podcast i've got jack gill he's somewhere between the gold coast and kosciuszko jack where are you give us a bit of an update as to where you are on the road and also How's the van? Because you are now a van loving trail runner. You've got the full, the full, <laughs> the full gear now. Um, I am currently sat in a location I don't know, yep. pulled off the highway, I believe, about two hours north of Sydney, west of okay. Sydney. Yeah. So how how is the uh, how's the van life and the trail running suiting you? Is this a is this a permanent thing now? Driving to all all races, no matter where they are uh, in the country. Yeah, I've already decided I need a bigger van. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't quite fit everything I need, but yeah, I'll do for now. Have you got the full tray yet with the the this, the shoes and and the gear in the tray that you can just pull them straight out, or is that the next stage? I have a few boxes with shoes in them. Yep, and a few boxes for all mandatory gear and just general trail running. Yep, yeah, general trail running gear. <laughs> all right, so um. So you're on the way back from Cozzy. So I think everyone's been following it on Instagram and all the social feeds. They've seen the, the scenes down there, which were pretty amazing. So tell us a little bit about the first few days when you got down to Kosciuszko, uh, your impression of the course as it was, I guess, when you first arrived there and what you sort of did training-wise in the, in the lead-up to it. Yeah, so I arrived down there on Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon, race being Thursday. And Sunday afternoon, I got there. It was freezing cold, but beautiful conditions. So the original course was supposed to start with like a figure of eight up to what they call Eagle's Nest, which was going to be the high point of the 50K. Yep. And from there, the 100 and the miler continued up to the summit or were supposed to before the course changes. 
Um, so the first day I went out to Reiki, sort of the first side of the figure of eight, if you will, which was, yeah, it's about four or five K climb with a ridiculous amount of elevation. It was very, very steep. And then a steep technical descent down the center. And then Monday just rained all day. So I spent a day in the van and then, um, Tuesday went out again for what I was hoping would be a shortish run, maybe an hour to an hour and a half and ended up being about three and a half hours because I kept playing in the snow. Um, yeah. So I ended up doing about 20Ks over about three and a half hours, um, chatting to some volunteers up at the top of the course, had shovels clearing the snow. Um, they were laughing about it because they knew there was a lot of snow forecast that night which yeah. meant they would have to go back and do the same job again the next day yeah so yeah so what like what was your first impression like when you got down there in terms of you'd seen all the videos and the photos and the lead up to the race all the to the media things that they put out was it the was it pretty much an alpine setting that unlike anything you'd seen in australian trail running ah oh, very much so it was yeah it kind of felt like sort of being back home and around europe in terms of the proper mountains and snow and just yep. yeah beautiful wide open trails to run on in the mountains it was beautiful and so when they made that call to to change the course um how was that received by everyone down there who'd, who'd already sort of arrived i feel most people had just accepted that was going to be the case in the lead up because just looking at the conditions the few days before and um the forecast throughout the week especially for thursday when the 50 and the 27 was supposed to be run the conditions on the forecast were just terrible it was saying yep. minus six and 50 kilometer hour winds it was um with a lot of snow forecast overnight it was never going to be a enjoyable race if it went ahead um going up to the top of the mountain and then how long um, how long before your race did you actually get the the change of course was it the night before or was it a full day no so they actually told us at about 10 or 11 o'clock the morning before that there was going to be changes yeah and i was basically laying in my van just about to go to sleep and i still not heard about the change or nothing had been confirmed and my mate sent me a link through at about 7 30 with the um new course so yeah it was about 7 30 the night before when i first saw the new course yeah and what were, um, what were your impressions when you saw it? Well, when I saw it and saw the massive lack of elevation, I was like, oh, this is going to be a quick race. Yeah. Um, and then when I got down to the start line, one of the first people I bumped into was Ben Duffus, who wasn't actually racing, but I had a quick chat to him about it. And he just sort of looked at me and said, like, don't be fooled by the lack of elevation. It's anything but a quick course. Yeah, um, he'd obviously ran down there a few times before, and yeah, it, it wasn't as quick as we were expecting it to be. Okay, so so take us through the course, it's through the actual race itself, then you can talk a little bit about the course as you do that. How was the was the first couple of kilometers? Was there a bit of a climb at the start of the fifty? Uh, there was a bit of a climb. It was nothing. Yeah, it was not. It was nothing crazy, and definitely not what was planned on the um, original course um so when we arrived at the start line we were standing there and about 10 minutes before the race started it actually started snowing again yeah so we were all standing on the start line in the snow with our ski jackets and 
beanies on um, in the start shoot. Um, and yeah, just as he started the countdown, I think most people are taking the jackets and beanies off and chucking them over to people yeah. um, waiting for them by the start line. Um, so yeah, as we set off and started the little climb, there was um, the snow did get a little bit heavier throughout. And then on the first descent, as it wasn't much of a descent, but it was kind of a wide open ski slope. Um, and as we went down there, the snow was just blasting in our face and it was, our face was freezing and a little bit difficult to see. Yep. Um, but yeah, then as soon as we got off that ski slope, about one or two Ks in, we hit single trail and it was single trail from start to end. There wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> there was That's probably I, I think the course ended up being 51 k's and i would say it was 50.1 k's of single trail yeah um there was a tiny little bridge crossing um for about 50 meters which was a bit of a road and yeah the rest was just relentless single trail um windy not super technical and rocky like narang but just sort of bouldery kind of rocks to get over and yeah, just windy single trails for 50Ks. And how did the um, how did the race unfold in that front half? Were you up with the leaders the whole way? Or did, did everyone sort of disperse a bit and, and run on their own? How did, it, how did it sort of play out? It was kind of hard to judge because of the new start. They actually just did a mass start, self-seeded. So we started with the 27K runners, um, and they're basically letting five to ten runners go every five seconds. So as we sort of set off up that first climb, we were sort of trying to work out who was in the 50, who was in the 27. Um, so you never really knew exactly where we were in terms of position. Yeah. Um, but I ran with one guy who was in the 50 for the first roughly 12 kilometers. And then he kindly said, hey, mate, let me pass. I want to get going. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't see him again for a while. And... As we got to the checkpoint at 30 kilometers, it was a bit of an out and back. So the 27K runners had gone off our course by then. Um, so as I was approaching the turnaround, I sort of was counting the people coming back towards me. And I think I'd counted five people at that time. So I thought I was in about six. Um, anyway, that was at 30 kilometers. And about two kilometers later, I saw a guy called Zach Bissett who I knew was in the top two or three and he was on the single trail on his phone walking back towards us oh. um so he'd clearly pulled out and about 500 after meters after that I actually caught another guy um and as I caught him we could see somebody else up ahead sort of bent over cramping so within about one kilometer I'd seen Zach drop out caught this other dude and then he sort of sat on my shoulder as we went past a guy um camping on a bridge so then me and i think it was called morgan we actually ran together for about 12 k's at this point presuming we're in fourth and fifth yep um and there's a lot of switchbacks and a couple of turnaround points so we could see where everybody was and um as we got to the next turnaround, we realized there was another young guy ahead of us who we were clearly gaining on quite quickly. Um, so me and Morgan by this point had run about 12 kilometers together, just sort of like, okay, we know there's nobody gaining on us behind. 
you know, let's work together, we'll catch this guy. Any anyway, so as we were approaching Corey, we were about 100 metres from him. Morgan, after sitting behind me for 12k, kindly said, do you mind if I just jump past, mate? <laughs> and he went past me, sprinted up behind Corey, jumped on the verge and just took off. <laughs> like, just, yeah. I don't know where he got that extra energy from. He'd clearly just been, you know, <laughs> plodding along behind me very comfortably yeah. for quite a while. Um, so he took off and then I caught Corey who was struggling and ended up running the last about eight kilometers with Corey, who we were, again, we thought we were fourth and fifth. Um, and he sat behind me, sort of young guy, super sweet, just really sort of thankful for me kind of picking him up and getting him going again. <laughs> um, and that's how it was. We sort of realized there was nobody gaining on us behind and we knew we weren't going to catch the guy in front. So just jogging it home together. And then you may have seen the video of the finish. Yeah, yep, definitely. <laughs> as we um, I do have, came I do have the, a question about this, actually. As yeah. we um, came out the corner to the um, finishing shoot, yeah, he just um, bolted and took off past me. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not have the legs to, to go with a little 20-year-old in um, a sprint finish at that stage. So, yeah, he, yeah. he nabbed me for fourth down the shoot. <laughs> So that's um is that is that two sprint finishes then in the big two races this year you've been out sprinted, is that right? UTA was thirteenth oh, or fourteenth or something, wasn't it? And and UTK UTA, fourth, fourth I wouldn't call that a sprint finish. I think we <laughs> jogged together and with about three hundred meters to go, he decided he wanted to take thirteenth and that day I kinda of let him have it. I wasn't too keen on letting Kari have it this week, but I didn't have the legs to do anything about it. So <laughs> <laughs> and and luckily, the he must have set off behind me because when the times came up, he actually they said he got me by six seconds, which right. he clearly hadn't in that sprint finish. But even if I had out sprinted him, um, he would yeah. have probably got fourth place anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good to see. Um, so going back to that start, then, because I think we all saw the videos of of the groups going off in groups of five. Um, was that purely for was it was the the conditions underfoot a bit slippery in the, around the start line? Do, do you understand the reason behind not doing a mass wave start? Uh, I'm not hundred percent sure other than maybe due to the fact you hit single trail quite early on. Yep. Um, like I say, we set off up a bit of a hill and then jumped into some single trail for a couple hundred meters and then went back out onto a bit of a wider slope for another few hundred meters before hitting the single trail again yeah so you can imagine having hundreds of people trying to get into a little single trail at one time would have been yeah a yeah. bit of a disaster and and running a 50k on single trail how did that compare to 50k on fire roads did you feel a lot differently in your legs at the end of the race uh yeah for sure um it was just yeah relentless you don't get those hiking breaks that you usually get with the yeah nice big five roads and the climbs there was no you never really felt like you were climbing but also never felt like you were descending it was just constant up and downs very similar to the single trails in narang just yeah constantly up a little bit down a little bit and yeah just relentless single trails um so the quads and calves and everything felt great afterwards but i've spoken to a few people kind of said the same thing the ankles and the hip flexors and all the little sta stabilizing muscles were just yeah, yeah, we're just shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so just a couple more things before we wrap it up. What, what was the, was there a, a sort of an event precinct there? 
um, or that not really developed since this is the first year? Was there was there sort of a, a nice atmosphere around the start finish area? Yeah, well, being point to point, obviously the um, the start line didn't have too much going on because we were literally just there to start and. Yeah with the course changes they actually moved the start line for the 100k and 100 miler so yeah. they had to yeah find a new um new start area within 24 hours which wouldn't have been great to them for them i can imagine yeah yeah um so the start area didn't have too much going on and the finish area was it was kind of very similar to uta not maybe not quite as much going on but you know just the usual expo tent and um yeah a couple little food trucks through the day yeah and how do you see this event sitting in the, the Australian calendar for trial running? Like, do you, do you think it'll grow to the same heights that UTA has? Um, do you think people will be able to do both? Like, I mean, like you've done, you've done the 50 at both events. Um, let's say you did the 100 at UTA. Do you think you could back up again and do the 100 at, at COSI? Uh, well, I think for sure being May and December, you could definitely do it. I know Cecilia and Steph Austin, who came first and second at the 100 at COSI, both ran the 100 at UTA. Yeah. Um, and that being in October this year, it was a much shorter turnaround for them both. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the race, it's, I think I actually said to Kyle on Wednesday night before I raced, it's already top of my bucket list to come back to next year. And yep. that was before I'd actually raced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and was that the general consensus from everyone that you spoke to, that this, this is an event that all be one of the bucket list races for everyone in Australia at some stage? Oh, for sure. It has to be. It's, <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything that can even compare at the moment that I've run. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll definitely be an event that I keep going back to. Well, mate, it's a, a wonderful achievement. So fifth at UTK, um, what were you at UTA? Were you 14th or 13th at UTA? Uh, 14th, I think. Yeah, um, and you've had a big you've, you've had a big year, haven't you? I mean, you've done the the Gold Coast Marathon as well. You've done Yandina Five O and a number of other races through the SEQ series and things like that. What's what's on the the radar for twenty twenty three? Have you got some races planned? You've already said you'll go back to to Cozzy, but what else do you think you're looking at? Ah, uh, I'm not sure to be honest. Probably back to UTA and see how I feel. I might have another go at the marathon. I'd definitely like to have a good crack at that this year, next year. Yeah. Um. And yeah, UTK, I don't really want to say, but I spoke to a few people who said a similar thing. It's a race that you would definitely be interested in going back to, to do a hundred or a mile of just because the terrain down there is so beautiful. It'd be great to get down there and have a big adventure out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, thanks for uh, pulling the van over halfway uh, on the trip back from Cozzy up to the Gold Coast. We hope you have a safe trip for the rest of the way up. We'll see you Christmas, New Year time. And thanks for chatting to everyone about uh, UTK sounds like a, a wonderful event and I'm sure there'll be a lot of Gold Coasters heading down there for 2023 yeah I'm good thank you mate I'll Thanks, chat buddy. to you soon alright Carl so there we go there's Jack's uh, overview of, of UTK so it sounds like he enjoyed it down there for someone who doesn't particularly handle the cold on a uh, on a June morning on the Gold Coast I think he did pretty well to, to navigate it I found it interesting we, we talked a little bit about how much single trail there actually was um, in that 50k, which, as he said, is very different on the the muscles. He said his ankles and his hips were sort of a bit sore afterwards, rather than his quads and his calves. As a you know, just because of all that stabilising that's been going on, so that would have been quite a different race. Um, but I'd, I'd, for those people who are listening, he did mention there that it's it sparked his interest into possibly 
possibly turning it into a hundred next year. So Jack might be going across Ooh. to the hundred. He's, he's done very well at the fifties. Um, so that'll be outstanding. I, I must confess, I've looked at camper vans over the last week and renting them because um, when UTK is on, it's my long summer holidays. And the, that idea of driving down there, I must admit, I've been motivated by Jack to drive down, take two weeks, jump in a 50 or even the 27, just even just yeah, doing do that. Something. Like, do something and just make a big sort of family trip of it. Uh, next year would be outstanding. And Kyle, if you're possibly, uh, did I did he before say you might be going in the miler or just in an event? <laughs> I, I might do. I might do the fifty on the Thursday and then jump on the miler. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two hundred days so, for the weekend. Couple of things. Couple of things I found. First of all, um, I just want to talk about the the concept behind um, trail running actually getting a buckle as well. I, I haven't seen too many buckles in, a, in, a, in Australia recently for, for finishing trail races. Is it a big thing in, a, in, I mean, we obviously know that the buckles get given out for UTA. Um, is it a big thing in America, particularly the, the trail running buckle? And do you, and the things that you've seen from Europe, do they do the buckles in Europe or is it just purely an American thing? It's pretty much just an American, like from what, again, I have no buckles, so what, I don't know, yep. I shouldn't have a strong opinion on this. But from what I know with this stuff, like it really started back with like the big, like, you know, your Western States, your Leadvilles, yep. um, those type of races that give out the buckles. It's a very American thing to, I, there's not, I don't, you don't see many people in Australia walking around with belt buckles where we live in, anyway, no. on the Gold Coast. It's not really <laughs> the normal fashion here yep. on the Gold Coast. I'm sure if we went out West, we'd see a lot more of it as well. But I don't know. It's one of those things. I think it's a very American thing. I don't think you get them. I don't think the Europe does does buckles. Mm. Um, but yeah, I. I what was Tarawera? Was Tarawera some uh, something special? You get the. Um, I think it's called a Panamu. You get from that. It's like their local, like the little um, rock stone that you yep. get over there. That's like from the area. So I yep. think like races like that that do something that kind of means something to the race. I think is better than. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes the buckles are very, that's a very American thing that like mm. UTA have kind of done as well. But I, I like, like, Tarawera's got its own thing that's very specific to that race. No other race in the world is going to have that as a as a prize for finishing. So to kind of yeah. have that, no one else is going to have that unless they've done that race. Whereas I suppose for me, I'm like, you know, having a buckle with just a different race engraved on it probably wouldn't mean quite as much. You've got to yeah. get the main ones. Like, I feel like in my head, I'm like, you know, going and getting a buckle from Western States would be mm. the thing that you want to get. Whereas the other ones are kind of, copied what they've done and is is the idea of having a different token for the different times just a unique thing to uta or is that something that you've seen elsewhere as well like silver and and bronze and things like that do other, so, other, other races yeah other races i think other races time? obviously do it yeah. as well like i know Christian western states have like the gold one for the winner and then top 10 get something i think it's a similar kind of thing to what uta yep. do um but like Obviously, Western States is 24 hour. Um, they've got the cutoffs. There's 24 hours and then about 30 hours. I think yep. it's different depending what time you're there with the under 24 hours is the big marker. Um, but a lot of that came from like 100 mile racing, which is an American rate. Like it's American distance anyway. Like that's yep. where 100 miles, they're the only ones that measure in that anyway. So all that kind of 100 mile, 24 hour stuff all comes out of the state. So that's yep. why I kind of in my head, I'm like, you know, I don't have a UTA. I've never done UTA 100, so I don't have a UTA buckle. Um, but I kind of feel like that's something they've just grabbed off what western states do which i still mm. think is cool for uta to kind of go for that um, yeah. but then i like what other races have done kind of with having something that's a bit more unique for that race at the same time yeah so I, I, like if they're all doing it great if only a couple yeah. do it then it doesn't mean as much so i haven't seen the miler um 
finishing prize, but you were just talking about it um, before we started. So can you explain that? What did the milers get down at Cozzy? What was it? Yeah, so this is just what I kind of saw them post on Facebook kind of just before the race that they had a, it was like an ultra Cozzy and it's a compass with that yep. as well. And I kind of looked at it and when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like what a cool, like can't say I'd probably use it very often, but it's just something different that you could get yep. that you can like, oh, you're not going to get that from doing anything else. Um, yep. Yeah. So I kind of like that they've probably done something a little bit different for that as well. Just I don't think any you get come with land, <laughs> collect a lot of random objects if you do a lot of hundred milers. <laughs> but yeah, but I like you said, I think it's good then if if there are so many different things because when you put them in your cabinet or wherever you put them, it's a bit of a I don't know, it's a bit of a trip down memory lane, isn't it? It's a bit mm. of a talking point and things like that. And like you said, you're not likely to use the compass, but I haven't seen too many people walking around with a belt buckle on. Um, exactly right. You know, <laughs> so, but full kudos to you if you do. Um, all right, now Kyle, the big thing I want to talk to you about is times. So obviously, the time that um is it, is it adrian or aiden is it adrian, adrian? adrian the time that adrian ran is electrically quick and a couple of chat groups that i've sort of been involved in have been just wondering about the time and how it sits in terms of australian records and things like that so we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about brad glovers later um as we go through the year but so adrian mcdonald runs 1407 so can you kyle explain where that sort of sits in terms of records in this country and things like that and how they differentiate between what Australian record is and what an other records are. So we've kind of got two. So Adrian's American. So obviously he's not, he can't get the Australian record. So yep. in pretty much any country, they'll have a, an all comers record. And you'll hear people talk about this in like the marathon, like there's an Australian all comers record, which can be set by anyone running on Australian soil. So yep. we've got one record. That's the fastest time run in Australia. Like the fastest time in Australia by anyone is the Australian all comers record. And then you've got the Australian record, which is the fastest time run by an Australian anywhere in the world. So prior to last year, so um, Carl Reed at BVRT had the fastest trail 100-mile time on Australian soil. Mm. And then Brad Glover broke that this year with his 14.44. And now Adrian's broken that with a 14.07. So that's the yep. progression of the Australian all-comers record. Um, Brendan Davies still has the Australian 100-mile trail record. He ran 14.04 over in the United States back in 2017 at the Havilene 100-miler in the desert yep. over there. So he's had the Australian trail 100-mile record for the last five years. Mm. And then Brad had the trail, the Australian all-comers record, which is the fastest time by anyone in the world in Australia. He's yeah. still technically got the fastest time by an Australian in Australia, though. Yes. Yep. That's one that he's still, if you want to go the step further. So that's yep. that's how those records get broken up and they're the, they're the times. So um, it's four, it's extraordinary time. We're, we're talking, you know, 14 hours for a for a miler. I mean, I think the, the finishing photos I saw of Adrian, he actually finished in daylight, which is just, yeah, it's just incredible. Impressive. I mean, yes, it's daylight saving, but it's still absolutely extraordinary. Um, I don't know with the course changes, as we said, whether that will be in a, like an official time, um, whether the distance... You'd imagine the distance has to be genuine. The UTMB race wouldn't probably wouldn't allow the distance to be short. Um, there was, you know, there was obviously a boat ride in there as well, which um, it was a fairly lengthy boat ride. So all those things sort of come into it. But I, I guess you have. And to I just... think this is something like Brad will be filthy because the course will go back to the really hilly one next year, and no one will ever run a time like that again. <laughs> that was just a one-off year, and it just happens yeah. that they got a really fast American to come over yeah. on a really fast course to run a fast time that probably no one will ever go near again and they'll, they'll restart the course records next year. But just because of that snow, yeah. Brad's lost his 
his, his Australian all-comers record. But yeah. I'm sure he'll be very happy to see someone come and start running some fast trail 100-mile times in Australia. He'll be the first one to, to be happy for him. Well, I think he was in the, one of the group chats I saw. He just said he's, you know, he loves seeing people go out there doing their best and smashing time. So um, I think you talk to anyone who's got a record, they're always happy and very, you know, complimentary when someone actually goes out and breaks it. They're never sort of um, annoyed by it or frustrated by it because I think they just realise how extraordinary the performance was. So, yeah, well done uh, to Adrian there. Fourteen oh seven. Is it possible we'll see a sub thirteen, a sub fourteen time on Australian soil at some stage, maybe? If we can get some big athletes out here, um, is that it for UTK, Kyle? Is that is yeah, that? I think we covered so. everything. I think overall, I think given the scenario, they have, they've done pretty well at race organisers to put on a pretty pretty amazing event with a day's notice to find a new course. Which is, <laughs> I can imagine the stress levels would have been pretty high in, in a few rooms on that Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so they they did a pretty good job, and like I said, I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this that are gonna gonna potentially have it on their list for next year. Yeah. Definitely. All right, let's jump over to, uh, we'll keep on the trails, but a lot shorter um, and probably a bit more hillier as well, Pomona, which is quite a hilly place to actually go into a trail race. Obviously, King and Queen of the Mountain is up there in a different uh, organisation, but SEQ had, I think it was round two, which ends up being round four, but they've managed to get all four races in at the start of this or the end of this year for the series. We now have a bit of a break before uh, over Christmas and New Year before we come back with the next four races. But Kyle, do you want to fly through the uh, the results there, um, and then we'll get yeah. on to some other things as well? Yeah. So in the short course, there was a good battle here. With there's a few familiar names that we normally have in the short course that just missed out on the podium. Um, so Veronica Caps, who normally she's been in the podium, she was fifth in forty fifty. Alana Dix was fourth in forty twelve, and then Danielle Murray has jumped ahead, jumped into a race, and ah. she's run thirty nine fifty. So there's only a minute between those three for third to fifth. So Danielle got third. Um, Kate Finesse ran 38.01 for second, and Jody Cumner has taken another win in 35.24. Yep. And then in the males, Matt Sacco ran 34.18, Nicholas Mooney 32.59, and Abhishek Singh has taken another win. I think he won Bayview. Um, he ran 30.29. So I think he's got a second and two firsts in the last three rounds, Abhishek. Just looking here, right. sec- second at Numanbar. No, I think he did um, win. Did he win baby? I'm sure he won baby. I, I think so, yeah. So, so he's got he's got that domination at the moment. So Jody Cumner yeah. is so that's a that's three firsts and a third, I think, on my records here. Um no, so you say Dana Ma didn't run Pomona, so that's taken Jody further ahead um there. Veronique obviously does quite well. She's got a couple of podiums and things like that, three, fours and five. So it looks like it's Jody's at the moment. Um for that one. What about the long course? What have we got there? Did any yeah, so names pop up again? Long course females, we had Shani Speranza was third in 117. Sandra Doyle was second in 116. Um, and then Anna Lorimer took the win in 114. So I don't think they're names we've had no. in long course that have popped up yet. So that's kind of kept things wide open there for, for the others. No one else jumping ahead. In the male race, uh, Blaine Burke, he took third, 58-40. Mm. I think he's had a couple of thirds now the last couple of yep. rounds. And then Jack Powell and Grant Williams were first and second, only two seconds between them. So I'm hoping this was a massive sprint finish battle between between Grant and Jack. I have a feeling those two guys run for the same club, but I don't know. That's just me yep. talking and thinking out loud there. But I'm hoping that was a genuine sprint finish. It's always good to see. We do like a good <laughs> sprint finish. So now, I hope it was. Here's, here's an idea off the top of your head. Do you think there should be a, a, a compulsory promotion 
if you win the short course one year, do you think you should be forced to run long course the next year as a promotion, you know, just to give other people a chance? Promotion, relegation. And then what, like four, fourth place in the long course that misses out on the podium and they have to go back to the short course. Got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go back. Just think it out loud. Just some ideas. Um, all right. So, yes, yeah, so you said there's a bit of a, a pause now, isn't there, before uh, normally it gets back underway sort of late February. They sort yeah. of do February and March, don't they, for the next four rounds there. So, all right, let's jump back a little bit more local to Summer Goats. Um while I'm just talking here, Kyle, can you bring up for me Strava? Can you bring up the 2.0 monthly yes, results at the moment as they stand? Ready Excellent. to go. You're ready to go. I'm so, all over it. I'm all over um, it. Last time we did the podcast, I did a very quick addition as to where we were up to for Summer Goat. So I've gone back through and done it a few more times. Round After round three, we've had f- the 5.0, 4.0, 3.0. So after three rounds, it currently stands as follows. In the female... We have Janice and Erin both on 20 points, but well out in front is Dana. She's on 31 points. So she, if Dana completes the next two rounds, you'd probably say she's getting the coveted Summer Goats uh, coffee mug that we gave out last year. She'll be getting one of those. So it looks like she's got that kind of wrapped up. Uh, as we said, we know that Rini is not in the country. So Dana, this December is yours as well to go out and pretty much sew that up. In the males at the moment... I've got in fourth place, I've got Scott George on 18 points. I've got Danny on 22 points, but he ran a blistering 2.0 this morning. So that could mess things up. I've then got Brad Aird on 28 points and Jack Gill on 30 points. So we know that Jack hasn't run so far. We know he's had a big month. It'll be a question as to whether he can bring himself motivation and fitness-wise to jump on a 2.0 to just get some points to stay ahead of Brad because at the moment, if you were to take the points from today as they stand halfway through December, Jack hasn't run, Brad's run. So informally, he is actually ahead at the moment. Well, what's happened so far this month, Kyle? What's happened on the 2.0? We'll go to the females first. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Dana is going to take an unassailable lead after this because she, on the 11th of December, ran 58.19 and she is currently sitting in first place for the female so and that's a bonus point already for her as well so currently we'll be getting 11 points at this stage so she looks like she's going to take the win we've had Catherine Grimmers was out there as well um Shara Jones who also did Cosy Myler just the other day as well she's been out there Kim Graham um Erin Gander Sophie Russell and Vicky Sinclair are the seven females that have headed out this month but yeah Dana looks like she's she could almost have that wrapped up I would say um given she heads out next month so Janice hasn't been out yet because Janice and Erin are tied on 20 points at the moment. So No, not, okay. not according unless there's been a glitch in Strava and no, ma- has not been given a segment. No, that doesn't ne- happen though, does it? Never happens. Never Impossible. happens. Strava's always excellent. And what about on the male side? <laughs> so in the male side, currently in the 10th, we've got Josh Rossington, 9th, Scott Blundell, 8th, Sean Kelly, 7th is James Hopper, 6th, Jesse Kelly, 5th is Brad Coring. Uh, fourth is Reese Drummond. Third, Will Kitchen. Second, Brad Ed. First place, Danny Carson. 40 seconds between Danny and Brad's time, so it's it's pretty close there. I can guarantee Brad will go back out again for another three attempts, so Danny but might Brad, have been knocked down one. But Brad's got the halfway bonus point and the he very does. enthusiastic 1st of December bonus that point as true. well. Um, so that's that cause that if, if Brad goes and beats Danny and let's say Jack does go out and takes the, the 10 points... Brad would still have... No, he'd still be two points behind. 
No, be, because they wouldn't have got two bonus points. So he'd go to oh, the other yes. points. Yes, sorry, yeah. So it'd be one point in it. One yep. point in it on one point oh. Yeah. Because that means ultimate... if Brad can get well, if Brad can get a bonus point first of January and get Jack doesn't do it before the first half of the month, <laughs> that's it. It's gonna be yeah. a tie. This is why this is why we bring bonus points into it. It's a nightmare on the uh, the accumulation of points on my side of the table, but it makes for very good viewing. Um, you know, next year we could also put in the bonus point for the thirty first, the last day of the month, or the thirtieth as well. True. Last day enthusiasm um, makes our job harder. But there we go, summer goats. We've got one point to go in January. Um, uh, it's great to see. We've had lots of people say that they're beating their PBs um, from last yeah. year as well, which which is kind of the. The purpose behind this, which is awesome. Would you, what do you think of 2.0? I, I, I dislike it with a passion. I've only done it a handful of times, so yeah, hard, hard to comment on it. But yeah, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. That climb not is not fun. The last no. second half's nice, but the climb's terrible. But, yeah, because that's my thing is because for 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, you kind of put up with the climb because you think I'm doing a fairly yeah. big run here. But for not even 10k to have to do that climb, you're like, this is bugger this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I may as well just go out and. And as well, for those people counting their goat loops, you're kind of sacrificing a goat loop, aren't you, as well, to go and get a few more kilometres to do a 2.0. So, How many um, people do you reckon get to the top of 2.0 and go, oh, I struggled on that climb, I'm going left and just pretending I was doing a slow, long run? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was always doing a 4.0. What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as we said, bonus points so far this month. Brad's got the 1st of December and the halfway, and Dane has also got the halfway. So that looks like it's it's pretty much Dana's, I think, but the male one is very open. All right, Kyle, let's go. Um, yeah, moments of the year. We've been talking a bit yeah. about this. So moments of the year. I've, I asked Kyle you to come up with five. And I do want to say off the top of my head, it was it was tricky to do. There, there was some phenomenal standout moments. I, I found there wasn't as many um, informal ones done this year. And in the past, yeah. we've had a lot of informal things that we've kind of pulled out of. You know, the goat loop and all the different loops and things hasn't really been on people's radars this year. Obviously, when there were no races or races were coming back, people were still smashing out times and things on the goat loop. So there's not too much from there. But um, do you want to go through? Should we go five to – do you want me to go through what yeah. people said or do you want to go through Go through, go through what, we've, what people have said and see, see how we, we agree. All right. Zach Harris, he said Glover's Myler, Brad Glover's Myler. Um, uh, Nolis, he said Brad Glover's mile record, but also Ryan with the last one standing assist in Victoria. And then he said Gold Coast Marathon high, the sub three. So I think, it, did he run sub three or was it, he's talking about the sub three hour train and the amount of people that went under. I'm not too sure about that. People. I don't think yeah. Nolis ran Gold Coast. Uh, ben Lavery said Glover's miler as well. Nolis also another one here said uh, he really enjoyed Ben's or bearded Benny's updates from the goat loop. So the beard, the beard, I think a lot of people enjoy those. Yeah, the beard's getting longer. The beard is getting longer, so that'll continue next year. Scott George, uh, nice little throw out here for his goat loop rival. Says Ben Deneen's six hundredth goat loop was his standout. Um, Simon from Run Queensland said Michael Dugan's sub twenty four hour silver buckle run at Western States. Also said as well Cecilia's triple um, C run at UTMB. And then uh, I can't see on my screenshot here, but we had another couple of votes for. Brad Myler's 100. Sorry, Brad Glover's 100. Maybe you should change his name to Brad Myler. Uh, Brad Glover's 100-mile uh, race there. So, yeah, lots of people sort of putting in their suggestions, but a lot of people coming on the same point as well. I wonder if we'll both land on that. Kyle, what's your fifth one? 
so my fifth, so one that was mentioned actually was that group of guys breaking three hours at Gold Coast Marathon. I think mm. that was like, it was probably for me personally, one of my highlights of the year seeing that happen as well. But just for all of those yep. guys, I think the reason why I put it in there is every single one of them that wanted to break three hours in that group all broke it for the first time. Yeah. So there was a group of nearly what five or 10 of them in total that all wanted to break three hours that had never broken three hours officially. And every single one of them broke three hours. So for that to happen, and there were some that kind of smashed it, and then a couple that just snuck under right at the end. That was that little day yeah. was amazing. So I, I had that as my fifth one. Actually, it's it's interesting. So people listening, Kyle and I haven't talked about this at all. We we've just basically done this on our own. So there'll be some here that I'll mention that Kyle, you'll just go, no, that's ridiculous, or you didn't even <laughs> think about it, and vice versa. So I didn't think about that too much, but now that you say it. That I 100% agree that was an outstanding moment. But also within that was Chris Halpin's performance. Yeah, that t- to be six t- seconds t- under. To, to, to be water- on that. So for people that don't know, so Chris, he had a bit of a niggle, not maybe a month out from Gold Coast or whatever it was. So I reckon for the month or six weeks leading up to Gold Coast, he pretty much had barely run. And then he got a few like a weeks of maybe a few jogs under his belt. And he still had his entry and he was, he was running really well prior to that kneel. And mm. I said, dude, you've still got the entry. You should just jump in anyway. Like, I still reckon you could almost break three hours off not much. He'd never broken three hours before. And I don't think he was that confident in it. And I said, look, I, I was going to be pacing the group. I'm like, just jump in and run with us for a bit. If you need to pull out, you need to pull out. And then I reckon that like 34K, 35K, he kind of took off in front of me when I was staying with a couple of the other guys. And I was like, oh, he's going he's gonna to smash this. And then we got to about 40K where you come back past the, the grand or about 39, 40K. And I was with Marty at the time and I look up the road and Chris is walking up in front. And I thought, oh, this is yeah. not going to be good. And then I think he thought he was completely done, but he obviously kept running. And then I crossed the line and turned around and saw him at the top of the finish shoot and thought, oh, mm. this is going to be close. And then he crossed the line with, I think on the clock was three hours and maybe seven seconds. He yeah. thought he'd missed it. So he almost pulled up about 10 meters before the line. And then we stopped his watch. Well, he stopped it right on the line and we looked over and he got it by six seconds. So that was just, then, that probably summed up that moment for me and it's definitely why I put it in the, the top yeah. five. And then there's that great photo of, of you and, and Jack and Chris at the finish line, I think was probably the, the photo of the day. Yeah, and I, th- I think I was on a bike. I think Ben Deneen was with me um, and we were following the three-hour group. And I remember when Chris started walking at that 40K 39 40k and ben and i sort of looked at each other and you could just tell we were both just saying he's finished he's gone no one no one comes back from this like he can't come back and then he started jogging and he's like wow he's he's on completely and steve ketley's run that day as well to to be behind the balloon and then finish in front was was wonderful so now that you mentioned it kyle that's a great shout um i had to put it in as my fifth i just had to purely for friendship loyalty but also for goat loop loyalty so ben deneen's 600th goat loop it is a remarkable number and a remarkable figure and talking to ben over the last week the plan for the thousandth goat loop is a hundred percent in the making and it's happening right now you know he i think he's about to click over 200 this year alone we know scott george has done more this year than ben but ben's about to do 200 and he thinks he can do more than that next year so you're probably looking halfway through 2024 maybe that's sort of september october it's we're only talking a year and a half two years two years at the most so that's going to come around ridiculously quickly so probably by the time episode what would that be episode 120 115 it will probably be the time we'll have benny on talking about the thousandth loop as he plans for the next thousand after that all right what have you got number four so my number four it's not a particular moment that happened but just thing for the year as well i had uh risha lewis's 2022 results because she won Yep. Guzzler, Coastal High, and Blackhall, all in kind of a few months. 
And I reckon that'll be a very hard triple for anyone else other than her to ever do. And I've yep. had that as four because I think that's a... When I kind of went back and was looking through the results, I was like, she's won a Like, we know that she pretty much wins everything that she does, but this, they're, they're all in kind of the same chunk of the year, pretty close, really, with those races. And to pick up the win in all three of those was was pretty impressive. So yep. I'll put that as, as number four for very the, good the total for the year I've had in there. Very good shout. My number four is the Dead Cow Gully result where 22 uh, runners broke the 24-hour mark and therefore set an Australian record as the most people to run 24 hours. I thought that was, again, yeah. it was not an individual moment, but an accumulative moment um, for all those people to do. I thought that was pretty special. So I had that at number four. What do you go for three? This is good. We've got all different stuff. Let's see we've got different stuff. <laughs> this is really good. Uh, my number three was the the female race at Blackall 100K this year. Ooh. between Risha, Megan, and Lucy. And I reckon that was one that I had. I loved following that race for the day because you just didn't really know who was going to win. Um, and, yeah, to have those three finish so close together, like they're three of the top kind of female trial runners in the country, to see those three kind of battle it out and actually have a race where they all had pretty good days, run ran fast times, and were all finished close together. I think that was as far as like race performance and like highlights as far as excitement, that yep. was up there for me out of any yep. ultra this year in australia so that was that was my number three it's tough isn't it it's now that you say that i just go yeah that's good and this i'm looking at i'm looking at one here i haven't even put it in the top five but it bloody well deserves to be and i'm almost <laughs> questioning whether i change it i've got and this is the thing for those of you playing along at home we, you have a phenomenal bias towards something and i've got a bias towards the goat loop i really do and um but I'm looking here, at the, I've written down GC50, the fact that it was eight seconds between first and second, that's got to go down as one of the greatest yeah. results. But because I wasn't there on the day as well, you kind of, you don't soak up that feeling as much. And I'm sure if I was well, there. I was there and I didn't, even, I didn't even put it in my top five <laughs> now that you mentioned it. I probably should have. I did, I did write GC50 down, but it didn't make my top five. But that can be an honorary mention because that was, a, that was very, yep. very, very impressive. Yeah, because I, I ended up writing sort of 10 down and then you have to sort of figure it out. But I'm going to put this one as number three. Again, this this is number three because it's something that I had a very big personal investment in and I thought this was going to be my my Strava crown that I could possibly do, but for various reasons I wasn't able to do it. So there are certain marks on the goat loop that spark people's interest. And so to do the Nirvana goat, to do six laps under four hours, which is 40 minutes a lap, I thought was a pretty big milestone and probably the only big thing that needed to be broken, the, sort of the next thing, thing that I saw. So I put down Scott... George and Brad Ed's um, joint run together to break four hours on the Nirvana Goat, I thought was a pretty, a pretty big moment and one that needed to be ticked off. I'm sure now we'll start looking elsewhere. But as I said, that's a very biased one, but that was my number three. Okay, we're still six different ones. That's good. Let's see. <laughs> we're surely going to get something similar. So number my two. number two one was the Team Australia effort at the last one standing race yep. for the for the World Championships. And obviously Ryan's assist is the, kind of the local connection there as well. Yep. Um, but they went so much further than I thought they were going to do. And I think Team Australia did so much better than I thought they were going to do. Like I knew they were going to do well, but... Normally in these races, we always tend to fall kind of back in between, you know, fifth to tenth. So to see those guys up towards the front was just, it was cool to see. And I reckon that was one of the ones that I just followed really closely this year and went, wow, that surprised me. Yeah. And how they run for that many hours, I have no idea. And for Ryan to do, I think it was 75, 76, they ended up doing whatever it was at 
Is that right? 75, 76? I think so. Because that's what that Nolan, anyway. yeah. Yeah, for them to, that's what, him to only get the assist was... That, that's what Knowles is talking about here, isn't it? So Ryan with the last one assist in Victoria, that was his standout moment. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's... I can't... That was... As far as just things, I just went, wow, like that's ridiculous. That was mm. definitely one of the one of the times this year I did that. So I yep. had that as number two. That's a good one. And one now that I'm regretting that I left out. <laughs> I feel like I've got a good list here. I'm, I'm proud of my top five. So uh, here's the first one that we both mentioned, and I've put it further forward because I, there's a tiny detail that I think you've missed. So Risha Lewis this year, her performances, as you said, are extraordinary, but I actually put it as my number two because Coastal High, I think she wins Coastal High and, of course, record. Is that right? And also wins the... Yes, we'd have to... wins, wins the guzzler and a course record. So I've got her down with two course records here. And even though Blackall wasn't a course record, she set the course record, I think, the year before. So as you, as you said, to go coastal high, guzzler and Blackall in the space of that short amount of time, but also have some course records thrown in there as well, I think was absolutely extraordinary. And it was disappointing for all of us and for her as well that she didn't get to get down to UTA, but I'm sure that's on her bucket list in the years to come. So that's my number two, because I think that is a remarkable... Um, group of, of, of races there together. And while you're doing your number one, I'm just going to double check. I'm pretty sure it was a course record at Coastal High. But now I'm second guessing yeah, myself. I'd say it probably, it probably was. Um, so my number one, and I, I'm assuming we're probably going to have the same one here, Tom, for, <laughs> for final. I think yeah. everyone's kind of had it as their moment. We had it as our North's Club moment of the year as well. Look, I was tossing up between this one and how mm. much Tom Brimlow improved in the beer mile this year. And I, I sat there just pondering that this afternoon. Yep. I thought, oh, which one yep. am I going to go with? But I decided to go with with Brad Glover's BBRT 100-mile yep. run. Like I said, it was an Australian all-comers record, 14.44. That's just – I kind of, like I said, obviously had that personal connection to it too. I wanted him to do very well and just mm. kind of seeing some of those early splits come through of how fast he was going – and I just thought, oh, like, yeah, it's too fast. He's obviously going to slow down a little bit, but he's obviously feeling good and he's happy and he's loving his running right now. And I knew he was going to have a good day at that point. Even though I knew that pace, I was like, well, he's clearly not going to go and run a four-minute pace for, for 100 miles. But that was just an early indication that he was feeling really good. And I thought he's mm. going to have a good day here. And he held on so well. So 14.44 for 100 miles on trail. And to take that yeah. record, is, that was by far my number one moment of the year. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that one. I think when when Brad actually did that time and that performance, I think we spoke in the week afterwards and we said that's it for the year. Surely there's nothing. I don't know. I can't imagine what else is going to beat that for moment of the year. Um, and like you said, he got our North moment of the year as well. But I think from a podcast point of view, that's that's tough to beat, and it's certainly one that's going to live long in the memory for all of us. Um, so yeah, my Brad Glover's BBRT was my number one as well. But did you have some other ones on there that? Uh, what did you say? Commendations? What was the word that you used? Was it just uh, to, to give them I a say? bit of a shout out? I can't remember the word, word you used, but a bit of a I shout out to others that didn't make the top five. Sometimes we've done is that what I said? honorable, <laughs> honorable mention. What did, did you have? Um, some other ones? Oh, like the, the other one I had was obviously the um, Ben and Wayne's run at GC fifty, like course record yeah. by a little bit of a way for those guys to run like that, and for it to be a bit of a sprint finish, eight seconds between them. Like that's and the only reason I suppose I put it, it was just. I kind of expected them to do it. <laughs> that was yeah. the one that it wasn't yeah. that shocking moment because they kind of finished. I was like, yep, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like they're just two quality athletes that you knew were going to run really fast. So it wasn't a shock, but 
as far as yeah. just actual performances go, that was that was unbelievable. That was the other main one that I had that I kind of mm. written down. Um, I had Charlie Boyle sub ten at Blackhall as well. I thought that was yeah. that was an that outstanding was race as well. And yeah, what you said about the the female race there. Um, I also had again. It's another goat leap one because that's where I went first of all when I was looking at top ten moments or top five. I was like, right, what happened on the goat loop first of all? I said Mel Haley becoming the first female to do a hundred loops was a pretty special yeah, moment, I think, good. as well. Um, but yeah, they were kind of the honourable mentions. Yeah, GC fifty, the, the eight seconds between first and second was outstanding, and just the quality of runners. I think from not only the front of the pack but also those, you know, the amount of people running sub four was as outstanding, and just the the size of that event, I think, was was wonderful to see. It's tough to do, isn't it? A top, a top five and a top ten is really hard to do because I think we both landed on Brad first, and then you go, okay, what do I do? Two, three, yeah. four, and five. It's it's so biased. It's so it's so directed by wherever your brain is at that particular moment and what you've been focusing on recently. So I'd be interested to know what other people would put as their two, three, four, and five. Um, and we have talked a bit about before we started recording that it was it's a strange year, particularly when we look at what's happened on the goat loop. Not much has happened there really this year, has it? It seems to be that that kind of kicked off and really got going when there wasn't too many formal races around. So yeah, hopefully next year will will be some some big moments. But there's our top five. Where do you want to go now, Kyle? Shall I shall I race through the park run top ten? Because yeah, you want to know. Park run. I think that's I think that's all we've got left now. Right, round out the year with with how park run goes. You've done it every other year. We've got to, we've got to sneak it in there somewhere. I didn't I didn't do regular updates as the year went on. Um, and about 5.30 this afternoon, I was like, oh, no, I've got to do Parkrun Top 10. It's pretty – so there's a big asterisk above this because um, there could be some incorrections here, but I'm pretty confident I've got it close to. First of all, do you remember where you've gone in previous years? Have you been ever been – you've been in the Top 10, haven't you? But have you, have you, how high have you been? You've normally been – I, I, like, I feel like as high as I've got was like near the top to like 10th, 9th, 10th. I feel like I've only ever just snuck in. Yeah, I can't seem I to find my previous results. But anyway, where do you think you are this year? Give us a give us a prediction. Um, oh, sixth. With what time? What's your What's your oh, time? Fifth. Oh, what was this year? Fifteen thirty-eight, maybe. Okay. All right. I'll keep you. I'll uh, keep you. Uh, I'll keep you nervous about that one because I'm going to go through the girls to begin okay. with. So. The girls, what I have here, in 10th place, Natalie Goodwin at Paradise Point, 18.48. It, from Varsity, Siobhan Sefton, 18.35 in 9th. In 8th, then, at Kira, was Beck Pegg in 18.24. 7th place at Kira, Piper Anderson, 18.20. 6th place at Kira, it's a place to go, Charlotte yeah. Hart, 18.14. In fifth place, Varsity, Regan Ellis, 18.03. In fourth place, Paradise Point, Claire uh, Bukowski, 17.54. Third place, Kira, Maddie Roberts, 17.40. Second place, Paradise Point, was Rinny, 17.39. And the fastest park run that I could find of the year was Michelle Pearson, 17.32 down at Kira. So there we go. So that's a couple of new names on there that we haven't had in previous years. The males. This was a tough one. I really had to go back and forth through this one. So 10th time, it's under 16 again. So 10th is ducked under 16. So 10th, Mark Hones, Asterix, Bora Beach, Broad Beach, 1558. (laughs) 
Asterix above that one. Um, ninth place, Paradise Point, 1556, Luke Kilborn. Very good. Go. Eighth, eighth place, Paradise Point, Matthew Bradbury, 1552. Oh, I'm looking good for my six here at least, Tom, just quietly. Well, actually, that's tied seventh, seventh and eighth together. Travis Coleman, Ooh. seventh, Kira, 1552. So seventh and eighth are together. Okay. Sixth. Paradise Point, Michael Hall, 1546. Oh, yep. okay. This is good. This is a PB. This is informal. So, again, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to have to get If someone thinks that I've missed here, please let me know. Fifth place, here you are, Kyle, 1537 in fifth place. I'll take that. You can, you're going to lose out on the bantering over the next couple of weeks, though, you realise, because there's a few people in front of you who can really uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. make I can, it back. I know where that's going. <laughs> No one cares about the year. It's all about PBs, Tom. It's all good. Asterix. Um, So fourth place, yeah, fourth place, also at Paradise Point, 1536, Desi Cutter. That's one that I was wondering whether should have, again, it's very biased, but moment of the year to actually see that race. Again, I wasn't running that day. To see it was was something pretty special. And I saw the photos again of that particular day when um, you and Jack and Desi were together and then Luke was just off the back. It was, was wonderful. So that was a great race. Third place. Here you go. Here's the one you're going to suffer from. But again, just every time he says it, just say asterisks. So Broadbeats, Jack Gill, 1534. Third place, asterisks above that one. Um, Varsity, second. Logan Campbell, 1526. And then Kira, Tommy Campbell, 1504. The fastest time para um for parkrun for the year so there's our top 10 kyle your fifth place i think you've moved up there i think you've gone up a little bit yeah i like it (laughs) now the last thing i do want to ask you before we go is i've done a little comparison over the last year of what people have done goat looping and things like that so i'm just going to throw some numbers at you i want you to tell me where you think we're up to a year ago so hang on 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 yeah so 10 laps and loopingment there were 15 and loopingments done a year ago how many have been done now Oh, I don't think we've had many at all. If, yeah, 16? 15. No one has done it on Looperman. That was what I was going to say, and I thought, surely someone's done one. Okay, fair enough. Um, Silly Billy. 19 were done last year. year. Yep. 19. There you go. Um, What's the next one? Oh, The Farmer, isn't it? 27. 27. Yep. So no one's done that. Okay. So now we now we're different. Now we're different. Um, I've only written down the starting letter of these names here. What's the next one down? Nirvana, isn't it six? Oh, no, seven. Did you say seven? Yeah, seven. Uh, so far, I know this. Let me consult my goat loop. Um, it goes Lazarus, Impossible, Nirvana. What's what's the next one? Have I got the letter U written down next to this here? Sorry for people listening. Ultra, Ultra goat. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Some, people, are, people are hitting the steering wheel at the moment, aren't they? Like Ben and, and oh um, Vince, Vince Stefanak and Scott and Bradley. Like, it's, it's ultra code. All right, 38 were done yep. a year ago. Uh, there has been movement on this. 40. Two people have done it. So here's an interesting non-stat as well. I've also got the fastest person this year. Craig Stevens, fastest person this year on that one. The only other person to do it was Matty Mack as well. So two people this year have done it. Nice. Um, so Nirvana. 53 were done last year. How many are done now? 
58. 68. Oh, well done, everyone. Fastest person on the course this year? Uh, Brad Air just ahead of Brad, Scott George. Yep. yep. So, again, asterisks again here. <laughs> so Brad's name pops up here a few times, and but it's the, it's the Brad and Scott day, so I'm not too sure um, how that worked out. So, yeah, so Brad there, no fastest female on that one. Impossible Goat. 82 were done last year. How many now? 103. Pretty close. 108. Fastest uh, male, Brad. Fastest female was Janice on that one. So well done to Janice there. Uh, Lazarus, 132 were done last year. How many done now? 173. You're under here all the time. 191. Jeez, everyone's doing too many go loops. I've done Brad's, zero. <laughs> yep. Brad's the fastest. Cherie's the fastest female. Cherie Barnes on that one. I do remember that race run that she did. Um, the Widowmaker, 267 were done as of 12 months ago. How many now? 352. 404 oh, have been done. Again. I've done well with my predictions this year. So Mel Haley, the female there, fastest for the year. Brad Ed for the male. So I think those ones from Brad there, are the, as I said, that was the day that he and Scott ran together, I think. Um, certainly from Lazarus up. Uh, Manmaker, 786 were done 12 months ago. How many are done now? 1,142. So, again, you're under. 1,277. Sheree Barnes Barnes is the fastest female. Jack Gill is the fastest male. Goat Loops, Kyle, 5,996 a year ago. You'll be close for this. Where are we up to now? We've fallen short of our dream, but... What did you say we were last year? 5,996. So, we've done 3,600... And what would you say it was? I'm trying to get. I can't remember what we're would, up to. Would just give me the final number. What, what do you think we're up to now? I What's think we're at like nine six. Yeah, nine six sixty something. Yeah, close. So nine nine four fifty seven. Nine four fifty seven. Okay. So those numbers that I'm giving you, that was that's not how many has been done in the last twelve months. That's how many has been done up to yeah. this particular point. So yeah, so nine thousand four hundred fifty seven. Uh, goat loops. Tom Brimlow the fastest, and Natalie Goodwin the fastest female as well. Uh, so there we go, Kyle. There's 20, 2022 done. 2023 is screaming around. So some races that come around pretty quickly. Hare and Hounds is in the first week. Um, also, Tambourine Relays is early on, but we'll get to that as we go through the the year. Do you want to? Do you want me to tell you your predictions? What you made a year ago? I, I think you go for it because I, I think <laughs> I, I don't think I did too well on my 2022 <laughs> prediction. I felt like I had a pretty good year, but. I was clearly very, very optimistic at the end of last year. Okay. Here's what I said a year ago that I'd like to see happen in 2022. Um, I think we were talking about the same ideas, but I can't remember what your answers were. I, Kyle, I said you would go sub-15 for 5K. I had 14.58. Uh, well, that that's across. Happen. That's it across. Okay. Um, well, here's an interesting one. I said Risha will win her event at UTA, but obviously she didn't race, but... Um, wonderful year i said jack would go top five in the 50 at uta but maybe i could just say utk there so he has gone top five so half a point there for that one i think um goat loops i said 9027 you were in the 8000s i think so we've done better than expected there you can take a point there i said a multi-loop event like sort of last one standing would happen this year and that hasn't happened so that uh well not that not that we know about that hasn't happened um I did say a double pyramid would be done this year. <laughs> wow, a double goat loop pyramid. Goat loop um, heavy on your predictions, won't you, Tom? That's a that's a cross there. 
Now, our predictions for Coastal High, I said I said Jake Davis would win. You'd say Tate Herps would win. I don't think either of them made the start line, did they? No, so that's <laughs> what is to carry that on for next year. Yep, yep. Um, I said, I think I said Haley would win. You said Risha would win. So there you go. You've got a yeah, prediction. I'll take that. You Finally take that got one. something right. Um, and then we've actually said here the top 10 for the goat loops. We said that the top 10 males would all be under 28 minutes. That hasn't happened, has it? No. So we're out we, there. We did well. We did well. And we said the top females would be under 36, 30, and I don't think we're there, the top 10 females as well. So, um, yeah. Well, we've done then, terribly. We'll have to do some <laughs> predictions for hopefully next episode we do some more pessimistic really expectations for yep. 2023. I, I'm just looking at my individual ones here. I said sub 1730 for 5K, didn't even get into a 5K, and I said, um, <laughs> I don't know, what have I done here? I think I just said 50 at doing the 50 at Blackall. So, no, I didn't get into that. I said I'd swim each week. That lasted the summer but didn't go through the winter. <laughs> and the rowing, I said I'd get into a bit more rowing, and that didn't happen either. So, <laughs> what, what a year. Well, yeah. We've nailed yeah, it's, it. It's been but quite a year. The podcast is still here. We got through the year. That's all it That's is. That's right. Yeah, through thick or thin, um, we're still here. So yeah, so Kyle, anything else? There's 2022. We'll be we'll be back in a fortnight um, to to talk about the 2023 year. But any big reflections on this year before we? Oh, it's been a say, big year. Uh, yeah, it's been a big year, Tom. It's been good. Lots of racing, lots of running. Still, another year ticked off. I'm happy with it. Another year yep. that I've been pretty consistent. So that's the goal. big thing I'll say for next year again. When we go into predictions, hopefully another good consistent year is my goal. But yeah, been a big year. Well, well actually, the Strava kilometers you said you've, you're under, aren't you? Didn't you? 1, yeah, 5, I'm less than I'm less than I was last year. Which yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm okay with because I feel like I've had a good year this year and I'm running well and I'm building to next year. So I'm happy with it. Recreational athletes doing recreational things, as uh, as Adzi always messages me. So there we that's go. Right. That's the that's the mantra. That's all right, right, Kyle. Well, thanks again for another good year. Thanks to all the listeners for keeping with us, even through those barren patches where we went off air for four weeks or so for various other reasons. But it's been a good year, and we love chatting about the races and unpacking things and going into Narang in far too much detail that anyone else cares about than a few of us on the Gold Coast. But thanks for sticking with us through thick and thin. Hopefully next year there'll be some fabulous racing and we'll see you around at various different races and things like that. And hopefully Santa brings you plenty of Plenty of goodies in the, the Christmas time, running gear and subscriptions and all sorts of things like that. Um, so I'll try, for those people who are desperately keen for this, I'm probably going to put this out tomorrow because I've got to get to bed pretty quickly. Kyle, I'm going to ask you one more prediction. It's the FIFA World Cup final tonight at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, all of our teams sort of pretty much got knocked out in the space of five or six days, as happens in these big tournaments. So Argentina versus France, Kyle. I'll, I'll play it out for you. I want your prediction. Argentina yeah. haven't won since 1986. The last time they won it, Diego Maradona was the captain of the team. And this time, his heir apparent, Lionel Messi, could do it. They were last in the final in 2014, lost to Germany in 2014. Uh, so it's there for the making. Or you've got France on the other side who are now in their fourth World Cup final in the last 24 years. They're looking for their third star on their badge. They've probably got the, the air apparent. back win since the Brazil team of, was it, I'm going to get this wrong, was it either 58 Jeez, and 62 or 62 and 60? No, six, 58 and 62. Yep, 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 58 oh, and 62. Bad. How yep. good is that for soccer knowledge for me? So, Big tick. What do you think? 
I I would like Argentina to win. Yep. For what reason? And I think they're going to win. For Messi? For, when, so I played my first... I only ever played one year of soccer in yep. my life, and it was under sixes. And the only jersey I had was an Argentina jersey. I don't know why I had that, where I got that from. <laughs> yep. That was the only soccer jersey I've ever had in my life, was when I was six years old. I had an Argentina jersey. So I'm going for them, and they're going to win yep. 2-1 yep. for that reason alone. Beautiful. I'd be happy with that as well. I, I'm, who, I'm who, on the best. What's your prediction? Yeah. I, I, well, it's, yeah. As the tournament's gone on, uh, you can't discount the quality of France. Over the last 10 years, they've been exceptional. But I think for Messi to go out at his age, at 35, I think he's yeah, as good as... Good. He's, he's, finish, as, he's as good as Maradona, really, to be honest. And uh, he's an extraordinary athlete. I think it'd be a wonderful way for them to go out. So, yeah, I'm... I'm Argentina for me. I'd like there to be more than one goal. Often, well, you know, like given in our our predictions for twenty twenty two. Well done, France. That's France probably going to win five nil. Yeah, France three nil. Everyone's going to be listening to this, knowing the result, and we're laughing at our predictions. Yeah. Nah, All right, mate. For Sorry to non football we'll fans for, for that wrap That's up, right, but uh, had to, had to sneak chat. it in. We'll All right, see mate. Everyone in twenty twenty three. Yep. Cheers, buddy. See ya. See you, mate.